0: can't do something themselves, they want to tell you you can't do it, you want something, go get it, period, you want to spend a little more time trying to do something for yourself and a little less time trying to impress people, yes, the past can hurt, but the way I see it, you can either run from, from it or learn from it, <laughs> I guess it comes down to a simple choice, you As you lay down. Oh goodness, he died. So all live to such times, but that is not for them to decide. All you have to decide is what to do with the time of the skiffle Sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. Just literally 20 seconds of just embarrassing bravery. And I promise you, something great will come of it. So when the devil throws your sins in your face and declares that you deserve death and hell, tell him this. I admit that I deserve death and hell. What of it? For I know one who suffered and made satisfaction in my behalf. His name is
1: Jesus Christ, Son of God. Where he is there, I shall be also. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. This is the March 11th, 2016 recording of um, the Film Society of Kiro. Uh, I have a few things on the docket for the episode today. I know I said I was going to record on Mondays. I don't know how consistent it is. I guess I'm continuing with my old trend of not having a regular schedule, but... I'm going to try to get at least one out a week, sometimes two. Um, So that just kind of gives you a preview of what is to come. Today we're going to start with, as you notice, I played a little bit of an intro. And I think that's what I am going to do. I tried to create my own clip of music. I'm going to have uh, movie quotes that just didn't sound very well. Uh, So instead I'm just using some videos off of YouTube. Uh, I hope it sounded good and I like using nice movie quotes to open up an episode because, you know, film cinema is a major theme. Uh, before we begin to start about to talk about uh, the movie review for the week and some other stuff, I'm actually going to start to do some things and talk a little bit about the church year each week. Uh, this coming Sunday is going to be... Uh, is going to be judica sunday and with as we venture into that part this this first segment i have a little i have this to play along with it <laughs> him, my song is a Love Unknown, recorded by the King's College Choir in Cambridge, uh, England. This is a, um, this week coming up is Judica Sunday, and really it's the beginning of the really the intensification of the Lenten season. Last Sunday was uh, known as Latar Sunday, which literally means Rejoice, and so last Sunday, if you have a church that really, really follows the Lenten traditions, and there are some of them out there, I'm working really hard as a pastor to try to uh, fully exercise the traditions of Lent in my own congregations, and I'm finding I think we're going to find as we're going through this, it's going to be a a much more enriching uh, Lenten season because every tradition tradition is not in and of itself a bad thing there are some people like ah oh, tradition's bad no tradition no traditions of men well most of these people are playing off of instruments that weren't being used a long time ago so it's a tradition that you know was developed by man. everyone has traditions the question whether or not isn't whether or not you have traditions the question is whether or not your traditions are good or bad and so Um, The traditions of Lent, I find to be very enriching, and they very, very much enhance the discipline and really enhances our observation of Christ's word, and most specifically, his sacrifice on the cross. So part of the traditions is that last Sunday, Later Sunday, is for one, you have a different liturgical color. The color is rose instead of uh, violet, And the reason it's rose is because rose is a mixture of purple and white, a mixture of violet and white. Uh, White is the traditional color for Easter, and violet is the traditional color for Lent. You mix the two together, you get rose. And the reason it's rose is to let you know that Easter is within sight. So if you're like me and you gave up something for Lent, for me, I'm only allowed to drink water. No milk, no soda, no juice only water i'm telling you it's getting difficult but that's my diet for the lenten season and so uh, that rose color is to let you know it is within sight and one of the distinctive features is you'll hear organ music in the prelude and the postlude music uh, most of lent there is no prelude or postlude music if your church that puts flowers in the chancel area uh, you could actually put them in there on Letterre Sunday, but the rest of Lent um except th- it's not up there although pastors might make an exception for funerals uh there are no weddings on any of the lenten weeks of Lent, although it is acceptable to have it on Leterre weekend so if you wanted to have it the night on the day before on Saturday you could do that um there's a whole bunch of these little traditions to let you know that it's a little it's just kind of a bit of a a reprieve of from the rigor of the Lenten season. Well, as soon as that day is over, you're right back in to, you know, the wear and tear of the Lenten season. And in fact, by the time you get to this coming Sunday, which is Judica Sunday, it is actually going to intensify. So, for instance, if you're a church like mine that uses the introit or the psalmody, it is appropriate to not say the glory be to the Father. It is not, uh, you don't hear, you, again, no prelude music, no postlude music, obviously no allelujahs, no hymns of praise. There's going to be, um, after the gospel lesson, the crosses are going to be covered with a black cloth. All of this is conveying that we are getting closer to Good Friday. We are getting closer to the full to the meditation upon the full consequences of our sin, and so if you come to church this Sunday, that's what if you have a church that celebrates it in this manner, that's what you're going to see. Uh, the hymn that you heard just heard was "My Song Is Love Unknown," which is a hymn that very very much conveys this intensification. That's uh, just a little brief stuff on the liturgy. And by the way, next week is the Passion Week. Not to be confused with Holy Week. Holy Week is from Palm Sunday to um, Holy Saturday. Passion Week is from Judica Sunday to the day before Palm Sunday. In fact, you know, some people call Palm Sunday the Sunday of the Passion. That's the common name nowadays. But actually, the Sunday of the Passion originally was Judica Sunday. And so they've changed that for whatever reason. I don't actually like that. I wish Palm Sunday would just be Palm Sunday. Uh, With that, I'm going to turn to uh, the subject of recent movies I've seen in theaters. And the movie I just saw last night was 10 Cloverfield Lane. And before I get to that, we're going to listen to the trailer for the movie. Something's coming so there you have the preview for the movie uh, Ted Cloverfield Lane I just saw that last night at the, in the theater um, down in Spencer, Iowa and I will say it was a very good movie uh, surprisingly it was you know First off, if you do not know this, this is a sequel to the movie Cloverfield that came out several years ago. And if you know that, uh, going into the film, you will have a leg up on many of the other people in the audience. Many people do not realize that this movie is a sequel. So for that reason, they're completely... Uh, probably thro- They're totally... Uh, throw it for a whirl, really kind of shocked and surprised by the way the movie goes, but if you have not, if you have seen it, you know what is going on in the grand scheme of things, but it kind of opens up for a very, um, interesting, uh, film. It's, you know, it's not, uh, it's definitely not your traditional, it's kind of got flavors of, different horror film genres. And it's actually got a variety of genres of film in general. Uh the Rotten Tomatoes right now has it at 91%. So which is pretty high for that type of a movie. So I would honestly encourage going to see it. I mean don't go to see it for dynamite acting. There's not I wouldn't say there's any you know super performances anywhere in the movie. Um I mean the lead actress uh, what's her name here i gotta look it up quickly uh the lead actress which is uh mary elizabeth winston uh i wouldn't exactly say that she had dynamite acting but it was still a good movie and i would definitely recommend watching and there's definitely and when you do go see the movie i am letting you know you're going to come out of it with questions um they're definitely setting it up for a sequel they set it up In a way that you want the sequel. I'm not going to say too much because I don't want to spoil this movie. But I will say that if you see the original movie, you should have an idea as to what's going on. If you haven't, this movie is going to be one heck of a ride. Alright? So, that's a 10 Cloverfield Lane. That's a little bit of commentary on that movie. Um, I'm also going to talk a little bit about Risen. Um, I did not talk about that in the the last review that I did. Um... The movie *Risen* came out a couple weeks ago, and and I should preface this: you haven't really heard me review any Christian movies yet, but I'm going to straight up tell you um, that I am not. Most Christian movies, I end up pretty much on the negative, negative. and the reason is is because they really take some nasty liberties with Scripture, and we as Christians should be very, very cautious about bad movies, um, about the scriptures. And the reason is, is because when people watch a movie, and if it's about Jesus, they take down their radar. They take down their defenses. And so their level of discernment sadly goes down. It shouldn't, but it does. We should really be like the Bereans described in the book of Acts, and whenever we hear anybody talk about anything about Jesus... We are comparing it to the scriptures, and if they say anything that's strange and unusual to the scriptures, we're like, hey hey, 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 buddy, you got it off. But people don't do that. Sadly, when they go into churches, they go to Christian movies, listen to Christian music, their discernment level just plummets. And so they emptily, without any defense, receive bad mis- messages about Christianity And honestly, the devil delights in this. Because the devil longs for nothing more than people to think they're receiving Christ when they're not. When they're really receiving a false version of him. And many of the movies that have come out about... Many of the Christian movies that have come out in the last several years have been false teachings regarding Christianity. And it's kind of... It stinks on a pastor's standpoint. You know, i talked... You know, my youth want to talk about these type of movies, and I hate always having to be that guy. It's says, no, this is bad. Um, in fact, today, there's another one that just came out. It's called The Young Messiah. And I haven't seen the movie, so I guess, you know, I can't give a fair review. But based on the few early um, things that I've read on it, it is now sounding like a good one. And the critics right now are panning it. Again, that doesn't say much, but... Um, As far as the other movie, though, Risen, which is why I brought this all up, Risen was actually predominantly a good movie. Um, Was it perfect? No. But it was good. Understanding first that the movie is historical fiction. So it takes several liberties within the context of the film of telling the story of the resurrection of Jesus. Of of what what happened after Jesus' resurrection. And you have this um, the soldier that's played by Joseph Fiennes, and um, you know he's going around trying to find the body, and eventually, you know, and it leaves you know like I said, it's a very very good, uh, it's a well done film. Uh, the there's some nice little historical details it throws in there. I really like the performances by the actors. I like the fact that they didn't make Jesus white. Uh, that's one of the common habits is to make him look like he's from, from Rome. Nothing wrong with being Italian, but Jesus wasn't Italian. He was Israeli. Uh, or he was an Israelite. He, was a, he was lived in Judea, in Galilee. So he would not have looked like an Italian. And so I very much appreciated that they fixed that uh, within the context of this film. Um, another thing is, and so and I, there's some really good, there's some really amazing landscape shots that made me almost want to go visit Israel. Uh, the only complaints I have with the movie is two things. One is at the end of the movie, there's uh, Jesus is quoting uh, a verse, you know, from the Bible. He's quote, it's basically, they, they jumble together the end of God, the Gospel of Luke, the end of the start of Acts. And the end of Matthew, they jumbled it all together into one quote. But they cut out the part which says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. They cut out this part, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They cut out that baptism line, which bugs me. They also um, cut out any clear explanation of what the gospel is. You go through there and understand you can't take for granted that everyone's going to know. For one, somebody might wander in there out of curiosity. Where somebody might invite their unbelieving friend to come and watch it, and even still, there are so many churches that have got the gospel messed up. They have messed up why this happened, and and also the quote Luther, which I think is a great quote. Um, it's been circling around uh Facebook. Well, I'm not 100% it's a Luther quote, but it's a good quote whether it was Luther's or not. He just simply says, um. We need to pre- hear the gospel every day because we forget the gospel every day. Or again, to quote John Piper, a Baptist preacher, who I don't always I don't agree with a lot of time, but this was a great sermon he has. It's entitled uh, The Gospel in, in six minutes, and he has this point where he just says, You never you listen to me, you never, 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 never outrun your need. To hear the gospel. And that's reality. But we convince ourselves, well, we only need to hear it every now and then. No, you got to hear it every single Sunday. If you go to a church and the pastor isn't preaching every Sunday, Jesus Christ crucified on the cross for you. You may not say that in those exact words, but the idea is there. It is very much with, you can very much get it based around what he's saying. If you're not hearing that, and I'm not saying, you know, it should it be a suggestion? It should be there. You should understand that Jesus died for your sins. That your sins are forgiven. If you go weeks and weeks without hearing about the forgiveness of sins within the context of the sermon, you need to get out of that church. Alright? So, wisdom um, does not communicate what the gospel is. So that is a major weakness of the film. And I think, if I were guessing, I'm guessing the reason they left out the line on baptism, the reason they left out um, the comments about about what the gospel is, is because they're trying to be non-controversial, because every denomination has a different answer as to what the gospel is, the details of it. And so I think they're trying to avoid controversy or debate or whatever, but the irony is that they actually create controversy out of it. Uh, but outside of that, it was a pretty good movie, and I would not have a problem uh, recommending people to go see it. Is it as good as The Passion of the Christ or some of the other great Christian movies? No, but it's definitely worthwhile. And just as a note, as I talk about Christian movies, um, probably either next week or the week after, um, I'm going to do a ranking movie, and I'm going to rank the, my top ten uh, Christian movies of all time. So you can look forward to hearing that. With that in mind, um, we're going to continue on with the show. And we're going to begin with... We're going to go into the movie that is going to serve as the central movie of the episode. It's the movie I'm going to analyze. Uh, the name of the movie is Gattaca. And the reason I chose this was for two reasons. One uh, is on Facebook, I posted a little comment and, and asked people to suggest movies to review, and somebody mentioned Gattaca. And it worked really good as a follow-up to The Truman Show. For the simple reason that The Truman Show and Gattaca are both written by um, a director and writer, Andrew Nichol. And so I figured it would be a really nice way to follow up one of his movies with another. And very much like The Truman Show, it is very much a conceptual movie. And as I've been kind of glancing through um, the movies that Andrew Nichol has done, he's very much a writer of those conceptual films. Those movies that just introduce you to a world that's just a little bit different from the norm. He's got a level of creativity and he plays in those type of movies very often lend themselves to good discussion. So with that in mind, we're gonna, um, I'm going to play for you uh, the trailer for the movie Gattaca. Uh, which came out in theaters in 1997, so this actually came out before *The Truman Show*. Uh, so here is that trailer.
0: Genetics. What can it mean? The ability to perfect the physical and mental characteristics of every unborn child. The ability of genetic engineering to choose the genes. distant future. Our DNA will determine everything about us. A minute drop of blood, saliva, or a single hair determines where you can work, who you should marry, what you're capable of achieving. In a society where success is determined by science, divided by the standards of perfection, one man's only chance... How do you expect to pull this off? I don't know exactly. ...is to hide his own identity. This is the last day that you're gonna be you and I'm gonna be me. ...by borrowing someone else's. Congratulations. What about the interview? That was it. Do you think you'd be doing what you're doing if it wasn't for who you are? What you are? I have a feeling you might be there on the false pretenses, of playing somebody else's hand. They've got my picture plastered up all over the place. You'll recognize me. They won't recognize me. They'll recognize me. I don't recognize you. They won't believe that one of their elite could have suckered them all this time. They are going to find me. But in a place where any cell from any part of your body can betray you, how do you hide when we all shed 500 million cells a day?
1: Okay, so there was the trailer. At the very end, you didn't get to see it. Um, You could go watch this on YouTube. At the very end, they showed a little quote line that says, There is no gene for the human spirit. This is a kind of an interesting movie. And it explores, you know, what are we capable of? And how much does our genetics have to do with who we are? You know, that's a very big question. You know, if you have the the right genetics, in theory, you should have the ideal, perfect life. That's the idea. And so they create this world in this movie. Um, So the the film is... So going backwards. The movie starts out, there's this main character played by Ethan Hawke. And his character is named... um, at the beginning of the movie, he is known as Vincent, Vincent Freeman, but he takes the name of um, the name and identity of another, and the reason is is because he's in this world. If you do not have the right genetics, you can't get anywhere in life. His brother happens to have his brother Anton happens to have the perfect genetics, but Vincent does not. Uh, Jude Law, who plays Jerome Eugene Morrow, is the one who um, whose idea, identity he steals because uh, Jerome cannot live the way he wants to. He was a you know he's a gold, he had a, a, a gold medal or whatever. Um, he was a great um, race you know great track star, but he lost that ability when his he got injured. He doesn't have um, the use of his legs. And so for that reason, um, many people, for that reason, he can't live the perfected life that he's supposed to have with his perfect genetics. Because genetics cannot predict what's going to happen along the way. It can A freak accident can end um, one's genetic uh, predisposition. And then you have on the other side of it, and then there's the reality that you have with Vincent. Vincent, by all accounts, is not supposed to have success. I mean, he has a 99% chance of a heart failure. And you see all these little data about him, but the thing is that he pushes. He works, he works, he works, he works. He's reading, he's exercising, he's doing anything and everything he can to succeed, and yet it's never enough. It's not until he steals the identity down to the genes the ha- You know, to the blood sample, to the hair, to the urine. All of it, that he begins to have this identity of another. Well, eventually, somebody in his um, program, which is called Gattaca, um, is killed. The director, specifically. And people begin to look for him. Because they think that perhaps he was the person that did it. And... Of course, he didn't. You the audience are pretty well aware he did not do it. Even though he had incentive, he did not do it. And so this uh, creates this whole thing where he's trying to maintain this identity and eventually gets revealed to some people, but he still takes off into space like he'd like. But, I mean, the whole thing that comes down, it's all about prejudice. You know, some people have wonderful Genetics. Some people, are incredible athletes, but does that guarantee that they're going to be better than someone who isn't? I mean, we see this all the time in professional sports. Uh, there's this—I, um, any of you are Oakland Raiders fans? You might remember, remember a guy named Jamarcus Russell? He was a quarterback for the Oakland Raiders. Uh, had a heck of an arm, just a cannon of an arm. He could scramble all over the field. He was. He was, his body as a whole was strong. He was tough to tackle. But he got to the NFL, he was an absolute, utter failure. And the reason was, is he just did not put in the effort. He wasn't in, he wasn't studying film. He wasn't working on his accuracy. He wasn't doing the things that were essential to someone being a great quarterback. And so he had the talent, but he just did not have the heart. As that again, that movie showed. He did not have... Have the spirit. Genetics cannot determine the will of a person, what a person is willing to put in to be successful. And this movie really explores, you know, how much, what are we putting our, um, what do we focus on in terms of the quality of an individual? The temptation is to focus on. They're, they're physical I mean this is true in so many things Whether it be um, athletics Whether it be um, in a- it's academics and Which really seems absurd But people do If you dress a certain way You look a certain way You must not be a very good student We think that if somebody's in poverty They can't do well in school That they're just a bunch of dummies Well that's not true we think if they have money, that they're extremely intelligent. Again, not true. Well, what you look like, your appearance, your genetics don't always guarantee your success. Um, I mean, this could go to racism. Uh, and yeah, actually racism works well because we, so many people. We look at somebody who's Hispanic or African American. We're automatically, thinking, ah, that guy's going to be a bum. He's going to be living off the system, or that gal, or, and even gender, or anything like think, at? That's a woman, she's just not quite as smart. She was only, only she was a man, she'd do a little bit better. And this happens in so many fields. There's a lot of fields around the world that um, do not allow, that it's really, really hard for women to break through. And the reason, there's no, it's not because there's any, there's no real moral barrier it's because they think that the woman is inferior and she's not, but that's what people think and so that's what they how they hire. I mean this is an ongoing thing is how we treat one another, how we react to one another. I mean think of, even you know think of the gospels, Jesus um, when they feed they. You know, he first starts on his ministry. Um, they say he's from Nazareth. Somebody says, so, huh, does can anything good come from Nazareth? Again, where do you come from? You know, I'm in a small community. This is where I live right now. I live in Ocheed in Iowa. We have, a, we have less than 500 people and some people might be tempted to think, ah, you live in a small community, therefore you are not as good As the person who grew up in, say, Minneapolis or Sioux Falls, we think there's an inferiority based upon where you're born, who you're born to, who your parents are. If your parents are doctors or lawyers, you're supposed to do better than someone whose parents are, um, you know, you know, working, uh, you know, or garbage collectors or plumbers or whatever. I mean, we have these negative ideas about people based upon genetics. But again, it can't count for spirit. And so in the movie, you see what happens. When people, everything becomes about genetics, people begin to manipulate based upon genetics. And so at the very, very beginning of the movie, you have a couple quotes that show up. Um, There's one that's taken by Willard Galen. He says... I not only think that we will tamper with Mother Nature, I think Mother wants us to. So again, you know, people begin to tamper with the gene- the gene pool, to give the genetic advantage of people, and people who do not have not been tampered with, who were born out of love, out of compassion, are not as important as those born Genetically, and that's all it is. It's all about the success, about the manipulation. <coughs> and there's actually some, and even that little thing is, because at the very beginning of the movie, he, you know, he's retelling his background, and you know, Vic, um, Vincent's, uh, you know. Vincent is retelling his past and Vincent says, you know, um, it used to be said that a child born out of love is the best kind of child, but he was living in a world where that had been completely negated. And what if we did have a world? And this is actually starting to happen. I mean, we do, we may not have the genetic thing told. In some ways we do this. We have, uh, um, People that are born through in vitro fertilization. And when people pick the, the father, the sperm donor or whatever, they're selective of who it is. They want to look at the profiles. They don't just say, hey, is this is just some guy. They're trying to do what Gattaca is showing. I mean, Gattaca is a preview of things that are already happening in our culture because people have decided that "Ah, we don't really need a husband to have a child i mean it's what's the difference a child's a child we think but the child that grows up where there is no loving father and a mother and a father that love each other they're gonna have deficiencies and i don't just say ah what about parents of I mean, children who were born in divorced families, you know, were grew up with only one parent, you know, they, they, that doesn't mean they're a criminal or something. And you're right, it doesn't mean that. In fact, I'm one of those people. Um, I was eight years old when my parents got divorced, and I lived most of my life with my dad. But even I can tell you, if I'm honest, I know that there are things that I'm missing, that I'm lacking on account of the fact that. That I didn't grow up with a mother in the house. I did not grow up with parents that loved each other. There are things that I there are not there are essential skills that I did not learn. Because some of the best things that a child learns is through the modeling of their parents. In a world such as what Gattaca presents, when a child is born not out of love, but out of or not out of love or passion, but out of this, the affection that the child receives is going to be, is going to be minimalized. People are just going to be a little bit more uh, cooled. And, and that's kind of interesting, because you watch this movie, Gattaca, you kind of notice this, with many of the characters in the film, many of them, Are kind of cold in personality. And the ones who are not. That are a little bit warmer. A little bit uh, more empathetic. Are the ones that were born by natural means. And it might be because of the fact. That they were born. In that manner. They've received affection throughout their lives. And therefore they are better able To give that affection. That, you know, like I said, this is a film that really gets you thinking about how we reproduce, what parenthood is. Um, You know, uh, Genesis 1 and 2, chapters 1 and 2, definitely should be coming to mind while somebody watches. And it's a reminder that the best way to go about things is to go with God's design. And the thing is, is because some, it's just because somebody has, doesn't have their genetics one way, doesn't mean that they're not a blessing. I mean, this even goes into, this gets closely connected to the people that will abort their children because they don't have the right genetics. Or they're afraid of a child that might have some type of mental handicap, and so they abort the child is that the child has no value, and they do. Every human being on the planet has value, has importance, has significance. And so in the movie, the very beginning, it quotes from the book of Ecclesiastes, And chapter seven and verse thirteen it says this consider the work of God, who can make straight what he has made crooked. Now that's all it says, but you should actually continue to verse fourteen. In the day of prosperity be joyful, and in the day adverse of adversity consider. God has made the one as well as the other. So that man may not find out anything that will be after him. See, God made each day, and he also makes each person. He's the creator. Are we flawed on account of a sinful world? Yes. But even in the midst of those flaws, God is using us, and he has a reason for the way we are. I'm not saying this so that we, we can be narcissistic and think, look at me, I'm so special. I'm saying this so that way we don't think that we aren't important. There's two extremes. Some people want to go to narcissism and some people want to go to depression. In reality, we should be right in the middle. We shouldn't be thinking, oh, look at me, I'm so pathetic. What, is, what good is there in me? And we shouldn't say, look at me, world, you're so lucky to have me. We should be just simply saying, hey, I'm created by God. And any good in me is a credit to him. There's nothing good in me, but there's nothing awful in me other than the sinful nature we've inherited from Adam and Eve. So, I mean, these are the things that this movie gets you thinking about. Um, and again, this is kind of makes me wonder. You know, I talked about it with the Truman Show, and now he quotes Bible verses. I really, really am curious about Andrew Nichols' uh, religious background because he definitely evokes Christian imagery at the very minimum. He, the man had to have been raised up in a Catholic church. I mean, the things that he... The movies he makes and the way that... And the themes that he introduces, it seems like he might have something. And so... There's my thoughts for the movie Gattaca. I know that wasn't very polished. Um, I probably didn't... I haven't seen... This was actually the very first time I'd seen this movie. So it's not like The Truman Show, which I'd probably seen dozens of times. And read up on it a bit. So I had a little bit of a deficit in regards to reviewing the movie. Uh, but this is what I got uh, out of a, f- a first viewing... And in terms of, um, if I were to give a review, a grade, uh, on a five-star scale, I'd probably say three and a half stars. I don't think the script is as strong as The Truman Show. It's got a good script, an interesting story, but it definitely has the weaknesses. You could tell that it was made, when it was made. Um, The movies from, you know, 95 to 2000, there were some movies... That the film quality just wasn't quite up to par. Uh, but what it had, it was good. It, was, it had some good as a good strong soundtrack. Uh, it had some pretty good performances. And again, an interesting plot line to get you thinking about uh, what makes us who we are and what determines one's success. And and really it's meant to challenge the way we view people. To view them not based upon appearance, based upon genetics, whatever. Based upon wealth, income, their parents, uh, their cousins, whatever. But based upon a whole collection of things. And just realize that everyone, no matter what, is a child of God. So, I pray this was a good conversation for you, a good thinking. And if you have some other ideas out of the movie Gattaca that I did not pick up, uh, I'd love to hear from them. And that is my recording of this episode. Uh, I think the next, move, the next movie I will do, uh, i got to quickly check on this, is... Um, I'm going to probably look at the movie The Departed, which is directed by Martin Scorsese, which is a great movie. You've never seen it. Uh, so, that'll be the next film, and tell then, uh, the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, amen. I am Pastor Neil Wemus, and this is a recording of the um, the film Society of Key Row, and I, which is, as I mentioned, a recording of a viewing of pop culture and theology from the prospect of a confessional lutheran and i am pastor neil Wemus i'm a pastor of three lutheran churches in northwest iowa if you would like to find out about these churches you can visit our website at www.iowaoclutherans.org thank you and god bless